Hello, I am Max, the boyfriend. I'm Celie, the girlfriend. And this is a girlfriend's glimpse where I make Celie watch things that she otherwise wouldn't. And I'm pretty sure you would have never watched Loki, though this was the one Marvel show that I was confident that you would love. I really did love it, honestly. It's right up my alley. I like Loki. I also just really like Norse mythology mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So it kind of fit in with that a little bit. So I did really like Loki. We will definitely get into all of the classical Norse mythology. And I a lot of that stuff I know from Neil Gaiman's work, who you probably don't know that name, but you know a lot of Neil Gaiman stuff, such as Coraline and Sandman. I know his name. Mm -hmm. I got you the Sandman book. Okay, okay. I, I should have given you more credit. Yeah. But yeah, I, I know quite a lot about Norse mythology through him, and I'm very happy that I do. But we kind of started watching the first season of Loki as uh, the second season was coming up, and we ended up binging it in like maybe a week. And the entire mystery and that core with the TVA, what did you think about it, about the setting, the new characters? I really liked it. I thought it was cool. What's his, what's his name? The, the Mobius? Guy, yeah, well, the actor. Uh, Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson, yeah. Wow. I, <laughs> wow. I really liked that he was a prominent character in there because he's just such a recognizable person right. and voice. But he also played Mobius really well. Mm -hmm. um and of course i like you know who plays loki i like loki just in general yeah but i i should uh pull up all of the actors but yeah loki is tom hiddleston as he always has been but they add quite a lot of new actors into the mcu through this show one of which and we're jumping ahead but in the second season they brought uh kehi kwan who was um what is his name ouroboros Loved him. <laughs> loved him so much. Ouroboros. Obi, they called him. Mm -hmm. but yeah, everyone who they brought on is perfect. Sophie D. Martino is uh, Sylvie, who we will get to as Lady Loki. Uh, I I liked the fact that at first she is the front, all intents and purposes, the antagonist. She's the villain of the series and she's driving the plot forward. But we quickly realize she's not the villain. No, she's more of a a rebel anomaly mm -hmm. to them, to the TVA, but she just happens to have, you know, be a version of Loki and has the same abilities so she could, you know, get away with what she was doing for a longer period of time as opposed to just a normal person, but mm -hmm. I <laughs> but she was just she was just trying to survive because they were, you know, cutting off her timeline. Right. And, and she, she... would have just ceased to exist she was trying to fight it cause... and she spent most of her life running because she was taken by the tva as a kid because she was an anomaly and then she somehow escaped and she's been just hiding in apocalypses for i don't know how long i'm assuming thousands of years because that's how long loki's and all asgardians live so probably they don't really you know, to say an exact amount of time that she's existed, but she's been on mm. the radar of the TVA for a long time, <laughs> I'm assuming. <laughs> but yeah, the kind of being that Loki is, he could just live somewhere for thousands of years and he would look the same. So it could very well be that Sylvie has been doing this for a long time. But I think it's by episode two. We meet her. There's a big reveal that it is Lady Loki 
in general. I think I remember seeing that and knowing about it beforehand. There was some leaked set photos of a woman playing a version of Loki, so I kind of already knew that. But a lot of people, I know it was making waves when it first came out that there is a female version of Loki, but I've never understood why anyone would care. Because, I mean, like we mentioned before, in Norse mythology, Loki's been all kinds of things. He's been a horse, a snake, <laughs> a, a <laughs> and all of those things was so that he could have sex with the respective animal. So I, I'm i perfectly <laughs> fine with Loki being the shapeshifter that he is. That's taking, crazy. <laughs> yeah, they're just taking any shape. I don't care. He can be a woman. And he has been in the comics many, many times. Well... I mean, I guess in the Marvel universe, there's just he's just him. Mm-hmm. He's just Loki. And right. then the only the only way we get different versions of Loki is if we go to different dimensions mm-hmm. in the Marvel universe apparently. And we see a lot of snapshots in the first couple episodes. There is a frost giant Loki, there's like a hulking Loki, there's a sports Loki, there's like a, a demon one, <laughs> but the only Lokis that we really see until the end of the first season is uh, Sylvie and Loki himself, and we really dive deep into their motivations, their character, because that first episode, we kind of just jumped around, but they do a lot of character work for Loki. Yeah, I think because Loki started out as his typical self, you know, the mm. one that was in yeah, he was plucked from yeah. Avengers 2012. The Avengers, yeah. He was the conniving, little <laughs> mischievous brat who wanted the throne. And he wanted his glorious <laughs> purpose. Yep. But when he got there and then started to, you know, get to know Mobius and what the TVA was, what they were doing, he started to, you know, calm his shit a little bit <laughs> and go, okay, there's other things that matter a little bit more than my ego. <laughs> But then right. he, but then he ends up. I don't know. Does he actually fall in love with Sylvie or not? There's, I... there's a fling there, and I'm like, is that narcissism? Because that's, <laughs> that's like another version of him. I'm glad they didn't dive too much into it in season two because that's one thing I never liked about season one of Loki is they were kind of trying to push this narcissistic romance between Loki and Sylvie. And I always thought that they were good friends. They would have put mm-hmm. their lives on the line for each other, but I never saw them yeah. kissing and making out. No, and they tapered off of that and backed off a little bit yeah. and just stopped trying to push that. Mm-hmm. Um, are they or aren't they mm-hmm. type Because they weren't. I mean, nope. maybe they were. There was still for a, a little, little bit. bit. Yeah. For a little bit, at least on uh, male Loki's side, at least on Loki's <laughs> side, there was mm-hmm. a little bit of attraction. But I mean, he might have just conflated his ability to relate to her with romance, and in reality, it was it was just a you know a bond because they could relate to each other's issues and struggles. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely buy. They're that. They're always the loser. Loki's yeah. always the loser. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. In that first episode of season one, I think it is titled Glorious Purpose, but we kind of, Loki's just taken through screenshots of his life, and usually in any other property or in in any other show, this would be really lazy, and it's just expository, and it shouldn't work, but it, it does, because 
maybe it's the way that Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson are selling this interaction back and forth from each other. And I can really buy the sense that these two characters, the only thing they're trying to do is manipulate the other. And because both are doing it, it's just constant back and forth. But it really worked for me. And getting Loki up to that point where it was post-Infinity War at that point where Loki had gotten so much character work and motivation and he could just lost it all. And I was wondering if this show was going to work in general because our version, the version that I had grown to care was killed by Thanos, at least the version of Loki. Mm -hmm. And they made him watch all of his previous deaths. Mm -hmm. They made him watch it. Yeah. <laughs> through, just going back through his life, they we saw him die, like, what, four times yeah. <laughs> all over again? And even in that episode, we see uh, snapshots of Thor The Dark World, which is a movie I've seen a, a couple times. I, I don't enjoy going back to it because it's over... It's way too self-serious, but there's a moment where Loki makes a decision to help the bad guy in that movie, and because of it, his mother is killed. And I love going back to that because, yeah, that would really damage someone if they made a decision and that got their mom killed. Right. I think Thor and Loki are kind of damaged damaged kiddos yeah. because, oh my god, Thor... Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thor, his, he just went downhill for a long time there. A very long time. And he got very depressed and fat, but there was also the one moment in Infinity War where he's talking about how, oh, I'm going to hunt down Thanos. He's just a monster in a long line of monsters that I've killed. And he starts breaking down. That's one of my favorite Thor moments is when he's just tearing up and he's like, no, I can, I can do it. I've done this before. It's okay. Well, with other superheroes, you don't you don't always see that moment of humanity in them because mm -hmm. they they get a god complex, right? Whereas Thor literally is a god, but um, they, <laughs> but all they, the best superheroes you see the human side in them, and yeah, the flawed side, yeah. But I mean, Thor, I think he became the most humanized out of a lot of them because Bruce was humanized mm -hmm. because you know he's basically a human that got you know gamma rays, yeah, and just don't make him angry. Right, but his is more about like just trying to calm the hell down and mm. figure out a good balance between his alter ego, so to speak. But right. but Thor, he got dealt a lot of heavy blows, like one mm. of which could devastate a person for the rest of their lives. Their lives, but he he got multiple throughout mm -hmm. his life, and he lives yep. a long time. So <laughs> yeah, we could only imagine what other travesties he's had to live through because he's he's been alive for. I don't even know how long. Yeah. I think I just, and I also just really like Thor. He's one of my favorite Avengers, him mm. and Hawkeye. Yep. We've mentioned on this podcast how much you like Hawkeye, and yeah. we'll probably review it soon because Echo's coming out, and that's a full explanation, but Echo's the deaf character in Hawkeye, and she's getting her uh... own TV show. Yeah, I, f I feel bad for her, but she was because she was struggling a little bit. But anyway, this is about Loki. <laughs> yeah, this is about Loki. Still Marvel Universe, but this is about Loki, which is very, very separate from any other show. Mm -hmm. This could take place in any time and it would still work. Like, obviously, this is very multiverse focused and this is in the multiverse Marvel saga. But this has always, in my mind, been its own thing. Loki season one and season two are isolated. You could watch them fully removed from any superhero property, and it still works really, really well. 
obviously you get more out of it from knowing everything about you know the mcu and the comics and the comics that it's based on and everything like that but you can really really enjoy it for what it is so i mean i really want to get into the production design and just overall production of this show because it has not just a visual theme but an idea that you could see was conceived right from the beginning and they held true to that idea right are you talking about just the the way the sets looked yeah the way it looked the way everything sounded the way the camera moved i liked miss minutes too she was just she was Mm -hmm. crucial more in the second season but she almost made it feel a little bit more old-timey yes even though she was an highly intelligent ai mm-hmm. created by the he who remains but she almost made it you know took it back a little bit and made it almost feel nostalgic for some reason yeah i think it was because of her animation style and but. her voice is also tara strong who voices miss minutes she's everywhere she's in the, the old teen titans cartoon oh. Uh, her voice is very nostalgic so that was a good choice but also there's an animation and i'm not sure if it's voiced by miss minutes tara strong but it whoever did it did such a good job and it's the three timekeepers and it's explaining how this multiversal war happened in the past and the way that these timekeepers made the sacred timeline and obviously it's all fake I liked this animation and it has, I don't even know what to call it, but nostalgic is the best way to put it. Yeah. I mean, I was convinced that the three timekeepers were real for a while until it was revealed that they were just kind of a farce to cover up who was actually at the end of it, um, which is he who remains. Uh, was it Was it Jonathan Majors that got arrested? Yeah. <laughs> we, we can bring that up dang it the guy who played <laughs> kang and sadly i wish he did a worse job because then i'd be fine with him being replaced yeah. but he killed it and this isn't even kang this is another version of kang that's much more he's the one that keeps all the other kings in control yeah because he's pruning the timelines to avoid other versions of himself getting there which Mm. on one hand is like yeah that's probably for the best but on the other hand it's like an ego thing and i want to be the top (laughs) king i am the one in charge i'm the one who wins (laughs) so this is completely beside the point but in, in a lot of marvel news and this is late 2023 getting into early 2024 i'm not sure what they're gonna do with kang where we don't know what the next avengers movie is it was supposed to be kang dynasty where he's the villain but now they've completely changed that because of what's going on with jonathan majors i still want to see kang be the villain because i don't understand what he's after if we can retroactively explain what at least a isolated version of kang wants then we could bring more meaning to movies like quantum mania and just things that didn't necessarily land with with the audience at first but if we can still keep kang in the narrative he doesn't have to be the big galactus level villain by secret wars that will obviously be dr doom but i want i want to see more of kang i like him right but i mean 
we kind of get a glimpse back into what at least one of the versions, the one that became He Who Remains, mm-hmm. was like when he was just, you know, a person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and not, not this end of time <laughs> being that controls mm-hmm. the loom and everything I, else in the sacred timeline. I'm not sure if Victor Timely, and that's the one from the mm-hmm. 1800s that we're talking about, I don't know if he becomes He Who Remains. I think that's just a version of Kang. I'm trying to I'm trying to think back to it, but mm. I feel like they targeted that one specifically because it was on the sacred timeline because he was meant to become he who remains because mm. he because they went back and through the book in the window which gave him the idea for the TVA in the first place and that's how they that because he created the TVA you know that whole loop yeah. that whole time loop I'm pretty sure he was the one that was supposed to become he who remains and they just went backward that, on a sacred on the sacred timeline I that could be it and i just wasn't paying attention and they clearly stated that i just had the interpretation that it was a version of kang or just victor timely and the i'd never even heard that name in the comics i think it's just a reference to timely comics which is what marvel used to be called but it, it doesn't really matter because they go back in time they pluck that version of kang and they just essentially use him for their own interests right and as you were talking about before having a reason for what they're doing Mm -hmm. for the the villains because it doesn't seem like uh he who remains or kang started out villainous he became that way over time but we only saw one brief version of of him that was that started out as a pretty decent person yeah. for the most part so I mean, he you, was, you have he was to kind wonder of a con man, but. right but there must be some sort of critical canon event in each of their timelines that converts them to become the king that we that we see at the end of quantumania or the one mm. that's trying to get out of quantumania yeah. so that you and know. that's because there's and we're getting into the weeds of it, even though I don't think Marvel has even thought about it too much. But we will, <laughs> because Kang in Quantumania is the comic book Kang, or at least I assumed it was, because he was the most powerful out of all of them. And for that, he was banished into the quantum realm. And then by the end of that same movie, we see all the different versions of Kang. Like we see Immortus trying to think of some other names of them there's the the robot cyborg guy the only Um, one i really know is immortus because in the comics that's the closest kang that we get to he who remains he's like the oldest and the wisest and the most neutral i would say but he clearly isn't in the mcu because he and uh, two others are leading the council of kings and yeah, i want do they to want? see that they must collectively want the same thing but i don't know what that would be because mm-hmm. a lot of the kings want to be the only one yeah like they want to be the singular and one king. thing they did really well in loki season two is they described or just not even described they showed rather than told they showed why Kang doesn't like to work with other people. He likes to work by himself. Even if it's an AI robot, he doesn't like to work with it. Mm-hmm. And that may have something to do with that AI robot confessing her love for him. But I mean, <laughs> but he doesn't like working with people, even Ravona. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, he uh, basically got rid of anybody that was close to working with him, which makes you wonder that if he didn't... Spoiler, but, you know, toward the <laughs> This whole thing season, has been spoilers, but... but. <laughs> if he didn't immediately just unravel mm-hmm. when he was helping them, what would he have done after he helped them if they succeeded? Would Would he have... Tossed them out of the way on the I, wayside, became the leader of the TVAs because the first it. one died. Yeah, is that is that the canon event in every single version of him? Is mm-hmm. he just oh, like omits anybody else from anything because he wants to be the solo act, and that's how he becomes evil? Is because he becomes spiteful or too geared toward his ego, or mm-hmm. just being the only one that can do what he does? Not despite, the glory. despite any of the quirky music or whatever fumbling Jonathan Majors was doing acting wise, I was always very fearful for anyone on screen with Victor Timely and of course with uh, He Who Remains more so. But the entire idea of this unassuming person and you, he's just, you know, he's... He's barely able to get his experiments together and he doesn't really know what he's doing, but I never bought that. I always assumed that he was a million steps ahead of everyone. He was just playing chess the whole time. I think maybe what I... Th- I, I had the thought that the reason why he always like stuttered when he talked and talked at the very tip of his mouth, mm-hmm. um, I think that acting choice, that this may be diving too deep and give him too much credit, <laughs> but I think that uh, was almost a representation of his mind far exceeds what he can actually speak. Well, like that's that. like going on in his head and how what he's thinking going through. Like he mm-hmm. just can't articulate that much because it's, it's just a lot on the tip and it's of his always tongue. there. Yeah. And he's trying to find a way to communicate with other people what's in his mind but it's really hard to because not everybody is a genius right i so. re- i really like that explanation and yeah sure uh we can say jonathan majors was doing that on purpose <laughs> sure <laughs> yeah it, it <laughs> <Why> works <laughs> but we're bouncing around so much but i feel like we got to go back to season one because we never talked about the timekeepers and them being fake you mentioned how it was a big surprise i I want to say by episode two or three, I'd started guessing that it was a Wizard of Oz scenario where it was just a man behind a curtain and everything was, it seemed magical and technology so far advanced from what we have that it looks like magic or that kind of stuff. But Mm -hmm. no, it's just one guy spinning his gears behind a curtain, which I loved so so much if kang has his technology with him he is basically a god but underneath all of uh, all of that he's just a man and i loved that with idea a big that old brain he's got a very big brain and he knows everything that will ever happen and has happened but he's still he's still just a guy technically well that's that's pretty scary because mm-hmm. if somebody who is just a human human no other you know crazy powers like Mm -hmm. you know the thor loki and all of the other ones have he is just a super super intelligent person Mm -hmm. and he literally became god essentially (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of scary because if he's just one of the kings 
And now that, you know, the timeline isn't pruned anymore mm. and it's becoming, but I don't know because Loki is in control of it at that point now. I don't. So I don't know if he's, he, he's probably more of a neutral, like hold it all together. So none of them yeah. die off unnaturally. That's what I'm thinking. But now all the Kangs are going to be, you know, following through their timelines. And if, you know, I mean, he who remains, there's no telling whether he was actually the most powerful king or not, or if he just beat him to the punch. I think he who remains was, was clearly the smartest mm -hmm. just because he was able to get that cloud Look. dog and get it to work for him. And that's, I think that's the main thing that put him above the others. But I don't, I don't know if he was the strongest. Like we, we clearly haven't seen enough Kang yet. I know. I'm I'm excited to see what they're going to do and who they're going to cast now. Yeah. Are they going to try and get somebody that looks like him? How are they going to explain the difference in the person that they are they going to say I had to like he had to change his appearance or You know he, what they should do? Or pull him from a different timeline and it just explain, you know, he's a different timeline so he just looks a little different. The same thing that I wish they did with the Flash recasting Ezra Miller just you either start the movie and he's got a different face and you never explain it, or at some point he enters a room as one actor and then exits the room as the other. And again, you never explain it. So I guess either way, just don't explain it. Just recast it. Right. <laughs> There's even people online that are saying don't do any more Kang stories, but I, I I've kind of already explained why I don't think that should be. You should at least wrap up the storyline that you're leading to. Well, and I also have a question. Is Obi as smart as or smarter than he who remains? So Because he wrote the manual. Yeah. Well, he knows it inside and out. Technically, he didn't. And that's one thing that I wish they got into more with Loki season two. But he understands the manual, yeah. at least. And he actually so, made his alterations to it as it went on, I think. So the whole idea behind Obi and Ouroboros, if I have this right, is the name of the legend or the idea of a snake eating its own tail. And so it's a constant recycling of this you know of of this person and technically or at least the way that i understood it in loki season two is obi and victor timely both wrote the manual together bouncing ideas off of one another without ever even meeting or knowing the other if that makes sense Kind of. I mean, because the TVA exists outside of time, so time yeah. doesn't pass for them. Because Obi had been there for, what, uh, four centuries? Yeah. That he said, and, you know, didn't age because nothing, mm -hmm. like, time does not pass there. And he pulls out a handbook and, you know, he says that a lot of this was written by V. Timely and I can't wait to meet this guy. And then Victor Timely pulls out his notebook and he's like, really? Because... Mine was written by some guy named OB or something like that. And right. just but the paradox still, that that creates. Yeah, but that still begs the question, are they of equal intelligence? Or I'd, I'd say so, yes. Okay, so then there's something about the Kangs mm -hmm. that does make them inherently not good. Like, because we don't really meet... the. I mean, I think He Who Remains was one of the most neutral that I've seen and that's just comparatively mm -hmm. to the other one. And that's not even... It, it was revealed that he's much more malicious in season two. But mm -hmm. I think 
it's not the fact that he's neutral or good or bad. He's just a force of the universe. And that's what I like about him so much. And even the way that I'd never even considered how smart OB is compared to Victor Timely or He Who Remains or Kang or anyone like that. But if someone is that smart, they immediately become a threat. And I guess Loki is now on that level too by yeah, the end of season because two. because he went back centuries to learn everything about the loom so that he could f- try and fix it because the timeline kept dying. Such an incredible line where he's like, okay, how, how long would it actually take me feasibly to learn all of this stuff in like years, centuries, and then it just cuts to a black back screen. And yeah, centuries later. <laughs> the commitment. Oh my God. The commitment to that. <laughs> oh my God. That was, that was insanely cool. And he just... He was just trying so hard to fix the time. Not even for himself. No. Not even for himself. It was for he, everyone else, pretty much. I mean, he had a he had a reason to because he didn't want to lose anybody. Mm-hmm. He, he also, didn't want to lose his friends and he didn't want to not exist. He also had a very easy out. He yeah. he uh he could have killed Sylvie and he had many, 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 I'm assuming millions, if not billions, of chances to kill her and stop all of this. And but he, he didn't. He didn't. Because he, because she wasn't a bad person, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't even think it was the fact that it was Sylvie, and you know he was, uh, Sylvie was his narcissistic love. I think if it was any of those people that he had grown to call friends throughout these he two still seasons, have yeah, done it. he wouldn't have sacrificed them. And then he ends up sacrificing, uh, sacrificing himself essentially because yeah. he he just takes. That that is such an epic scene too when oh, he just God. walks out there and starts grabbing mm-hmm. all the timeline vines, strands, whatever they are, and basically just, you know, becomes the heart of all of them yeah. and takes a seat and just stays there. <laughs> and I have another podcast named Just Cause. I hope I hope I'm not just regurgitating the same words, but the exact phrase that I used when reviewing Loki season two, the like the week that it came out was he becomes mythological Norse Loki in this finale for season two. Like before then he was MCU Loki where he was a plot device so that heroes could, you know, learn their lessons and go through their story arcs. They even say that in this exact show, but now Loki is the storyteller and the, I guess the best way to put it is that in Norse mythology, Loki is the inciting incident for almost every story. Every Norse legend happens because Loki does something and that kickstarts this series of events. Is is Loki almost a more involved version of a watcher? At that yeah. point, by the end of it, because oh, yeah. he's outside of time, like he's he, he becomes the loom essentially. But what I also found cool about it is when it zooms out, it looks like a tree, mm-hmm. whereas the loom the loom was technological and it was forcing timelines mm-hmm. through it and eventually stopped functioning properly because there were too many timelines for it to withstand and the math would never math because mm-hmm. there would become an infinite yeah, you- amount of time. You lines and you can't you can't the math won't math you can't no, do that <laughs> you can't find whatever is divisible in infinity yeah. you can't divide zero by zero you right know? but um what i found cool about that is when loki took over and it looked like a tree it's almost like he was meant to do that yep he was always meant to do that which is why he's always the loser in anybody else's story because he just was never in the right place he was just never 
supposed to win. He was never supposed to be the victor in any of those stories except this one, which mm-hmm. I don't know if he's the victor or he, I would say he is. I'd say at this point when he did that, he sacrificed his mm, freedom. Essentially, I, I was about to agree with you and say he's the victor, but I would go further and say that it is a tragic victory where he never gets to see his friends again. Yeah, but Though, they get to no. live out their lives. I mean, yeah, he gets to see his friends. They don't get to see him because he's constantly watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he becomes the watcher. The watcher, essentially, he just becomes. <laughs> yeah. He's just there, and I just thought that was so cool. Like he was always meant to be that. So yeah. he, that's why he would always fail in all these other timelines. And when he, you know, was just, you know, being Loki, he was always the loser in all those situations. And it makes sense now because he was never meant to be in any of them, no. so to speak. He was always meant to be outside of everything. And there is a lot of. And I'm kind of switching subjects, but there's a lot of really mature choices in season two specifically. I mean, they crush a bunch of people in a cube, and I thought that was very dark and very awesome. But I think the best thing that they do in season two as a whole is go back to He Who Remains in that finale, and they fully explain what he was planning where it was very vague and wishy-washy in season one. And I kind of liked that about He Who Remains. Whereas, no, I I prefer it to be fully in control, He Who Remains, rather than the guy just kind of letting things happen. Right, because he, at first, he almost seemed pretty passive and it's just like mm-hmm. letting everybody else prune the timelines that were anomalies mm-hmm. when technically none of them should be considered anomalies yeah, they're because all they're real. natural and they are birthed naturally mm-hmm. and then they're just cut off unnaturally through intervention <laughs> but he almost takes the like i'm just innocently you know watching and making sure that nothing gets out of control i'm yeah. protecting you this is I'm all for you protecting you, you. Mm-hmm. but when in reality he just wanted to be in charge yeah he just wanted to be the only one that is in control of everything. And there was the whole idea of it's either I let, you know, everything exist and eventually it dies out because not, you know, you can't have infinity or I prune everything and have one sacred timeline and that timeline gets to exist. Like I can understand the argument for greater good that he who remains is trying to make, but I still, like you said, I I see the greed behind him at least Mm -hmm. the way that they interpreted it at the end of season two i would say he he's smart enough to come up with points to defend his position and why Mm -hmm. he's doing it but at the core of it it's selfish at the core of it it's a selfish reason it's not a selfless reason Mm -hmm. it's not to protect the greater good it's to protect himself because if he was truly selfless and maybe he isn't this powerful but he would have have done done what loki did yeah Protect them all by just being the center of them all and mm-hmm. giving them life so that they can all exist simultaneously. Exactly. How technically it should be. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the Watcher is a passive observer of all of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they can all coexist. And, I mean, they if they die off, it happens to be either naturally or because Ultron got too powerful. <laughs> <laughs> that's but, what if. <laughs> yeah, that's what if, if, if that happened. But I feel like uh, they are going to transition over a little bit we'll get into it later because i do want to talk about it but i hope and also don't hope that this version of loki comes back 
But before we talk about that, I, I wanted to talk about the conversation that Loki and He Who Remains has at the end of season two. And we've kind of just been bouncing around a whole bunch. But the way that He Who Remains stops time completely and he's like, how many times have you been doing this? Because mm-hmm. he clearly knows everything and just the way that the penny drops and you're like oh yeah he knows everything and he will know what will happen and he could have prevented his own death in the first place if mm-hmm. he because he can just flick a finger and mm-hmm. stop time but he yeah. didn't want that because he wanted to be reincarnated mm-hmm. and he even says that i think his exact words are reincarnation baby mm-hmm. he was never afraid of death because he knew that if he died the loom would eventually fall apart and he would become somewhere yeah and everywhere mm-hmm. and he doesn't want that he just wants power mm-hmm. he just wants to be top dog mm-hmm. <laughs> so i kind of like i mentioned earlier i don't know if i want to see this version of loki again if we never saw the god of stories loki in the center of the universal tree of life yggdrasil I would be happy. This is a perfect bookend. Season one and two of Loki are so fantastic for each other, just part one and part two. I wasn't sure if Loki season two would be that perfect part two, but it is. So we have obviously a couple Avengers movies coming soon, one of which is Avengers Secret Wars. And in the comic book storyline of Secret Wars... It could be any villain, but Doctor Doom grabs this very, very powerful being and essentially siphons energy from him and steals power. I think that being could be substituted as Loki in the movies. I can imagine a plot point of a future Avengers movie being that, say... Dr. Doom, if it is him, wants to find this version of Loki and steal him so that he can use him as a battery. Hmm. And I have something that they could add to that. And you're you're kind of just giving me a puzzled face. I don't know if this is working, but do you remember Eternity from the not-so-great Thor? Yes, I do. That could be Loki. Honestly, they are two very different beings in the comics, but why not combine them? Do you think that they're going to want to bring Tom Hiddleston's Loki back and find a way to just, you know, swap him out for another being like like Eternity mm. that can just sit there and yeah. nobody misses them? They don't miss anybody because they just have always existed as their own entity and had no personal connections? Mm. Or do you think that maybe one of the other Kangs, now that the timeline's branched out, is going to come for loki loki and and try and try and fuck shit up again yeah (laughs) because if loki is you know maintaining all this peace all they have to do is pluck him out of his stories throne and with all the threads behind him such a cool shot of him pulling the threads up that was Mm -hmm. fantastic but yeah i they're the being that in the comics in the secret wars comics that they kidnap and use as a battery is molecule man and i couldn't imagine them introducing him into the movies mainly because he's he's crazy like he's very psychotic because (laughs) he's omnipotent but there are 
many, many, many eternal level beings in the Marvel universe that they could use. Loki is now one of those beings, like just cookie cutter, use him rather than Eternity or Molecule Man or whatever MacGuffin they will be using for the next Avengers movie. But I think that is the case. I could Now that Loki's the storyteller Loki, I could see him just being a part of another character's quest, like a passerby where they happen upon him and he gives them some wisdom. (laughs) (laughs) I also, they're not going to do this because we're already like halfway through season two of What If as at time of recording. So maybe they do and people are yelling at their iPhones right now. But I also want to see Loki in season two of What If. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. Because he is that powerful of a being where he could affect you know universes beyond his own i mean yeah i mean and he's holding on to the literal strands Mm -hmm. and (laughs) there there's a trailer for season two of what if where we see loki's tree we we don't see him at the center of it but we do see yggdrasil so maybe i would get so bored of having to sit there for eternity just holding the strands going oh god somebody (laughs) could have left me a tv or something (laughs) he is watching but maybe there's cool stuff to watch and he's got a single tear rolling down his cheek because yeah he's he ends he, he saves the universe and even more than that the multiverse but he is still alone yeah He ends his story alone, and they make a point of saying that in season two, that Loki is terrified of ending up alone. And then he ends up choosing to do that so he can save everything else because that was the only solution that he could find without everything being destroyed again. Because while he doesn't like to be alone, he puts more importance on the safety of his friends. Yep, and so Sylvie could just be left alone in a timeline where she can just live a normal life working at McDonald's. Mm. Because she wanted that. Yeah, for that's some one reason. thing we never really brought up is uh, Sylvie. I don't know if the writers just weren't sure what to do with her or if they genuinely wanted to go in this direction for season two, but she's not really in it. Her whole character arc is, or not even character arc because she doesn't go through one. Her whole character itself is about her wanting to be separate from the canonical stuff and the the big story she wants to just live on her own yeah she just wants to be a person she Mm -hmm. just wants to live as a person and as a normal human being and i guess that's what a lot of season one what she was doing was about she was just trying to fuck over the tva enough so they would just leave her alone Mm -hmm. yep and then her and Loki almost died on one of the first outings when he followed her. Yep. Uh, well, that whole lamentous. planet was just getting blown yeah. up. <laughs> That's a yet another thing that we haven't mentioned. That is episode three of season one ends with a fantastic one take. Obviously, it's different uh, takes stitched together to make it seem like it's one continuous long take, but it's still really, really well done. Our dogs are running around. We're just making sure they don't... Maybe there's, yeah, there's probably someone out front. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) But I can't think of too much else to say other than maybe the fun fact of Mobius's full name is Mobius M. Mobius. The M obviously stands for Mobius. 
Mobius, Mobius, Mobius. Yep. <laughs> I wish they uh I wish they pointed that out more in the show, the fact that it was just Mobius, 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 but he's That a fun sounds character. like something you would chant to summon Mobius. <laughs> Mobius, <laughs> maybe, Mobius, Mobius. <laughs> maybe that's why they don't is because if they say Mobius three times while spinning in a mirror, then you he summon comes. Him. Yeah. <laughs> you summon the anti Mobius. <laughs> But yeah, uh, out of five brownie points, how much would you give Loki? I'd give it five. I really, really liked Loki. I was excited to see the next episodes whenever they would come out. I would, I really liked Loki. I also just like, you know, Thor and Loki and the whole Asgardian yeah. mm-hmm. Norse and mythology. All Norse stuff. I, I wish they dived even deeper into Norse mythology because... I. It's mainly because of what, like I said earlier, reading the Neil Gaiman stuff and playing a bunch of God of War. There's time travel in Norse mythology, and it's it's wicked the fact that these ancient Vikings were like, yeah, I'm going to tell a story about time travel and hitting someone so hard that they go back in time. <laughs> <laughs> and then we just watched Violent Night, too, oh, yeah. where Santa is an old Viking... Mm-hmm. Terrorizer. God, it what a great Murdered movie. everybody, but they never told us why he became Santa. No. I guess it was just like a cosmic punishment, like you reap what you sow, now you have to serve the people that you were normally murdering. I don't I have no idea. This has nothing to do with Loki, but <laughs> Violent Night is getting a sequel where they probably will explain it. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Cause I liked that. <laughs> Hopper. But yeah, it is the Christmas season around time of recording. So yeah, if you are looking for a Die Hard-like movie, because you've seen Die Hard just too many times, which is not possible, but if you have, go watch Violent Night. Mm -hmm. But with that, this has been a Girlfriend's Glimpse into Loki.